Welcome to the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, Jesus freak, mom blessed by adoption, wife, wonderluster, and your intentional living and biblical mindset coach. If you're here, you're likely a busy woman wearing multiple hats, the most important of which being child of God and mom simultaneously. You have a desire to live more intentionally, striving to be a good steward of all the gifts that God has given you, and you want more productively peaceful days. Well, you're in the right place, sister, because that is exactly what we do here. First, building on a foundation of faith with purposeful priorities while mastering our mindset and implementing simple self-care. So mama, grab your coffee or strap your kiddos in the car seat And let's jump into today's episode. Hello, sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, and I am perhaps just a little too fired up today, just a little too filled up with that living water, if that is even a thing. Do you ever have those days where You actually got like eight hours of sleep, the adult recommended, you know, time of sleep. And then also by this miracle ended up waking up at the right part of your sleep cycle to where you were just like up and ready to go. But then it's like habit to have coffee. So you had a cup of coffee anyway, and then you're just like full of energy bouncing off the walls. Well, couple that with just having come home from the IF gathering that I attended this past weekend and just being filled up with fire from all the speakers and all the scripture um, and all the encouragement and truth that was poured into us um, at that event. And I am just like, I'm over the top today, so I hope you're ready for it. Maybe you need to grab your coffee um, to get on my level right now, but maybe you can feed off of my excitement as well. So I talked about the IF gathering that I just went to this weekend, and I just want to give you guys kind of like my takeaways from each speaker and my recap of it in a sense, because there were so many speakers. And honestly, I attended an if local gathering and it was maybe half, not even half. I think maybe like a third of the speakers we actually listened to when I looked at like the website listing of all the different speakers, but they were so powerful. But I will say it was like taking a fire hose to the face of just like, almost like living water, just like straight at me. So I had taken over 30 pages of notes. (laughs) I'm a note taker. Don't worry. I did write kind of big, like it's not, you know, all this well-written out um, notes, but it was just so much. And so I actually skipped church this weekend going to meet with my local congregation because I was just like, I just already had all of this that I really needed to sit with and process and like go back to God's word and some of the things that they had referenced and talk about and, and sit in it for myself and pray over it and go over my notes and highlight things. And, and I strongly encourage everyone to do that. Like whether you're listening to a sermon at church, at a podcast, whatever, um, at a, at a conference type event like this, it is so important to one, have God's word open for yourself, go to your Bible and read it for yourself. Because 
a lot of times I do believe that he get, gives us, um, you know, different insights, if you will. Obviously, we're all filtering everything through our own perceptions, and we want to bring it to him and his truth. We want to take the time to dig into his word ourselves, and then also to pray over it and say, God, what are you teaching me about you? Or what do you have in this for me? Like, what do I need to learn? What do I need to implement? What do I need to remove? And this is one of the things that one of the speakers talked about that I'm going to get into um, as I share some of the different stuff from every single one of them. So let's jump right in and, and go through this. So the first speaker that I had listened to was Bianca Olthoff, I think is how you pronounce her name. Very powerful. She came out with the song that if you're a TikToker, if you watch Instagram reels, you probably know it very well, but it talks about, um, it cannot always be night. And people are like, wait, what? We're having walkout songs. Like, I didn't know that. I think she might've been actually the only one who did it, but, but that was part of her message was talking about the darkness and how darkness makes us wonder if there's something that is going to make us trip or fall. Or if there is someone lurking like in the darkness in the corners, like waiting to kind of jump out and get us, the darkness can be a very scary place to wander through and how the world, especially in the season that we're living with, with different wars and pandemics and whatever else can feel really dark for a lot of us, let alone the personal things that we have going on in our life and our family and our mindset, um, traumas that we're still trying to work through. Etc. But one of the things that she talked about that really was kind of mind blowing to me, and I will say I haven't taken the time to research this myself, but um, it's something that I have heard in the past. But she says that they did this study, not not her, but like she was reading the study that was done, and it talked about that there are nine different kind of like causes for depression and anxiety, and kind of these like. Um, mental imbalances. And sometimes, yes, it is medical, chemical, like mental imbalances in your brain or in your body that can cause things like bipolar and whatever else. But over the big picture of depression and anxiety, seven of the nine are actually lifestyle-based. They're things like our thoughts and our negative self-talk and our, our mindset. There are things like maybe comparison trap, which I talked about in a previous episode here. There are things like having schedules that are too busy and a whole list of things that, um, and honestly, some of them are what we're eating, what we're putting in our body and on our body. The last episode last week actually was about um, toxins in our home and in our um you know, cleaning products and in our skincare products and things like that. But I know for myself, if I'm eating like high carb diet, sugar, like fast food, greasy, whatever, I do not fare well. Like my mental health declines, my physical health declines, obviously, but it's just like, I feel lethargic. I'm tired all day. Like the things that we are subjecting ourselves to in our lifestyle have such a great effect and impact on our lives. And so to me, that was an encouragement to hear that seven of the nine causes for depression and anxiety are things that we do have control over. And by making healthier and better choices, by being good stewards of our own bodies, and of our time and of our schedule and of our mindset, et cetera, that, that we can have an effect on this, 
that we can produce better outcomes and better results in our lives. And this wasn't part of my planning to be part of my uh, episode today, but I just want to take a moment to like plug this here because it's just so relevant. And I feel like the Lord is speaking it to me. I am this weekend, actually Saturday, April 2nd, hosting a biblical self-care masterclass for busy women. It's primarily targeted towards moms, but like, there's not really anything that, that we're going over in the workshop that is like, oh, this only applies to moms, right? I speak to busy Christian moms because that's who I am. That's who my ideal client is. That is the demographic of people that I really see underserved and struggling that God has given me a heart for. And so um, it's a simple biblical self-care masterclass where we're going to talk about the difference between worldly self-care and biblical self-care. We're going to talk about things that fill your buckets and ways that you can have these simple yet powerful actions that are able to fill you up like with this living water that I'm talking about. So you can pour from this overflowing cup towards your family and your spouse and your home and your community and your friends and everyone around you instead of showing up from lack and um, tiredness and things like that every single day. And in terms of this, seven of the nine causes of depression and anxiety are lifestyle-based. Like this to me is like, this is why we need mentorship and discipleship. This is why coaching exists because we will always, our minds will always seek comfort seek to comfort us, seek to direct us to comfort. We're, we're, we still have these brains that we're wired to be like living with the wild beasts outside, right? Not in the comfort of these like heated homes with a refrigerator of food. Like this is, this is all new stuff, honestly, guys, in, in the grand scheme of the world and in time, like this is not the original design, I guess you would say, but it's where we live in comfort. And so our minds are still wired to, um, to, to run away from fear and danger and things like that. And, and sometimes these different things, these different lifestyle things, these thoughts and everything can come up and we can so easily self-sabotage. We can so easily go seek comfort, even though it's not what's best for us. And this is why we need mentors and coaches. This is why we need somebody being that mirror back to our mind and not relying on our own understanding. And I might, I'm going to get into this later when we have, when we talk about another speaker and some of the stuff that he talked about, but I just wanted to, I guess, add my little two cents into that. I really love the message that she had. She talked, um, from first Peter chapter five, and she was primarily talking about, um, verses seven through 11. And I will say that when I read this later in the whole context, um, it appeared to me that it was written to, um, the church elders primarily. Um, but at the same time, I, I delicately balanced that with the fact that all scripture is, is God breathed and used for our correcting and rebuking and, um, and, and honestly, it's, it's his word and it's for our goodness. And so the way that it speaks to each of us individually can be used and can be powerful, right? There are some things that in scripture, I might take a little bit out of context, but it's like, it's been pressed on my heart that this is what 
the way that God wants me to speak to and reference this. And it has been confirmed and confirmed and confirmed again in him and the spirit. And um, I love that that's the beautiful thing for all of us is that he is in these deep, intimate relationships with us. So I did just want to give that preface because what she said was so good and so powerful. But then I found myself saying, is this for me? Which as I'm saying that is like reminding me of Sadie Robertson Huff's um, conversation. So we'll talk about that a little bit later when I talk about what she had shared about the two truths and one lie and just how enlightening that was for me to really put things in a different perspective. But in this, in 1 Peter um, chapter 5, starting at verse 7, um, it says... Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so she talked about um, how casting is to throw with force, that we need to give all our anxieties to him. Like number one, step one was if we are struggling with darkness, with anything like that, to give it to God. But it's a willful, like throwing it. It is not just like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, slide this over here at the at the feet of Jesus and, and check on it every couple of minutes. No, it is like willfully throw it, um, throw these anxieties and fears on God. And she mentioned Psalm 55, 22, same thing, talks about cast all of your cares on him. And this is the same root word in the Greek. She talked about um, later, it goes on in verse 8. And it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to to devour. She talks about how we have to know the enemy. Like, he is a lion. He is out to devour. And we have to resist his temptations and resist our coping mechanisms in that. And remember that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. So we have to stop acting like we don't know how to fight him. Part three, she talked about resisting the enemy from verse nine. She talked about, or um, scripture says, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood around the world. And so this is so relevant right now. I think when we look at different people that are suffering around the world right now, like we don't even truly know what suffering is. It might feel like we're suffering at times or or some of us may be going through a difficult season or a refining season or or maybe we lost people that we love or maybe we're having a difficult time in our relationship or we, maybe we feel like God's not right here with us. But when we look at people who are being families being ripped apart in war zones on the other side of the world right now, just on account of of evil and humanity, it, it makes me wonder like do, do I even know suffering? right? So we have to make sure that we resist the enemy, knowing that all of our suffering produces good fruits. It talks about this in, in 2 Corinthians. Um, and I actually did an episode with um, Erica De La Cruz way back at the beginning of the year, I believe it was. And, and we talked heavily on that passage. Um, so go back and listen to that if you want. And then part four, she talked about um, giving it up to God. In verse 10, it says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I just, 
loved that because it was so refreshing as a reminder that even after we've suffered a little while, like God has won the war. Never forget that. Anything that we go through, like the end result, like nobody wins at this life. The end result is eternal life with him where there are no tears and no mourning, where we get to look on the glory of his face and be a part of his eternal kingdom forever. And that's incredible. And so I actually have it in my notes to sit down and do a word study on restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish to see where else these are in scripture, to see what the root words are that are being referenced in this. Because like I said at the beginning, when I read this whole passage, I was like, it seems to me that this is written to the elders of the church, the ones that are shepherding the flock. And I would not classify myself as an elder, someone shepherding the flock. So I, I questioned whether this was for me. But what what I immediately thought after that was the fact that God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish me, I don't think that's debatable. And so I want to go to his word and do a word study on these and cross-reference these words in their root context for where else are they in scripture so that I can have a more rounded understanding of this passage and this preaching that she had given. And so super powerful. Hope you have takeaways from that. Moving on. Ann Voskamp, she had a very powerful story. I think Shalom um, has been deemed a name and added to our baby girl list because I, as you know, if you've been around with me for a while, Shalom is like my word. It was my word of the year one year. I have a little plaque with Shalom on it. And it's just, it's become my life word. I'm all about living on the foundation of peace, the peace that surpasses understanding that we can only get from one place. And that is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, pouring into us and us seeking him daily. But Shalom is just so powerful. And she had a beautiful testimony where she shared about that. But the overarching thing, the notes that I got from her story and what she had shared was to stay on the way because Jesus is the way. And one of the things that she said that just really stood out to me is that he, he doesn't always need to make a way for you because he is the way. And anything that we are seeking above him or beyond him or anything that we are like, we find ourselves consistently going to him and saying, Lord, make a way for this, make a way for this, make a way for this, make a way for this. We have to be very, very careful that we are not making that an idol, that we are first seeking him and recognizing him as the way above all else. The next speaker was Dr. Kurt Thompson, and he's a funny guy. Um, such a powerful talk that he had. And a couple of things that he had talked about was, um, was our brain and just this depression and anxiety and, um, and, and healing from trauma. But he had talked about, um, Genesis one, how there was this chaos and, and God didn't run from the chaos. He didn't hide from the chaos. He wasn't like, Oh, that's icky. He ran to it and he made stuff in it. Like he didn't look at the darkness and the chaos and be like, oh, that's gross. I'm not going over there. And he laid this parallel with how it's the same thing for us, how God sees the chaos, but 
He's waiting for the beauty to emerge from it. He is creating beauty from it. And I so believe that God is a God who, who creates beauty from ashes. And he talked about um, kind of this perspective idea. And he, he was talking about, you know, God is not a God who shies away from this chaos. But, but for some of us, we can tend to do that, hide parts of ourselves and see ourselves not as a work of art, not as someone who the beauty is waiting to emerge from. And he talked about, especially with trauma, that trauma shatters our capacity to properly perceive our past and our future. And I'm here to say, boy, howdy, is that the truth? When I was in the darkest time of my life and the most chaotic time of my life on account of trauma, my past was so ugly and nasty and broken, and that meant that I was ugly and nasty and broken, and I wasn't worth anything, and God couldn't do anything with this, so I might as well not even be alive because I had no hope for my future. I wasn't even worth value to my husband who was right there trying to help me fight through this. And it was so dark and it was so ugly. And it's so true that it shatters our capacity to properly perceive the past and the future. And he said, this is why we need somebody outside of it to help us through it and to help us see it. And I am so grateful for the people in my life that I had at that time to be that. And he said, we have to allow others to see the parts of us that are beautiful, that we're not able to see. And he said, um, who are the people in your life that gaze upon you and call out the beauty from places that you least expect it to come from? And again, I'm going to tell about one of my old counselors that was in therapist that was on a podcast episode a few weeks ago. We, we talked about this briefly, but I'm just so grateful for, for the beauty that she saw in me amidst that chaos, because I had said in that episode, she's the only one that saw me in such, in such darkness outside of my husband. And, and I'm grateful for my husband too, because the two of them saw the beauty that could emerge from that. And those are the eyes that God has for us as well. And the next speaker was Christine Crane. And if you're on Instagram, you probably are familiar with her. Um, she comes across my stuff a lot, but she had talked about God works in the highly unlikely and how it's not about who we are, but it's about who God is. And she said something that I firmly believe is that we were created on purpose for a purpose. And one of the things that she talked about that was really convicting for me, and at the end of the conference, they asked us to write on a little flag, you know, what are we, um, what are we walking away from? Like, what are we going to lay down? What's no more in our life is this? What are we leaving behind? But also, what are we moving toward? And this is one of the things that I was super convicted by. And I'm like, I am leaving this behind. But she talked about, we need to stop thinking when I get there. 
She said, there doesn't exist. And it was really funny the way that she talked about it. She was like very like <laughs> passionate and like just spewed it all out. It was really funny, but also very insightful. There doesn't exist. You're always only here. There is nowhere but here. This is where God has you. This is where God wants you. And this is where God is going to use you, where you're at right now. Maybe he's refining you. Maybe he's pouring into you. Maybe he's pulling out some things and putting some new things in. But right now he is equipping you. And right now you still have the capacity to serve and to be an example. She encouraged you not to say, not to get to the point where you say, well, I was going to do it one day, Jesus. You know, I think you might be like me where you want to hear when you see him face to face. Well done, my good and faithful servant. To not sit there and say, oh, well, yeah, I was going to do it one day, Jesus. You know, I just, just hadn't gotten there. I just hadn't gotten around to it. You just didn't give me enough time. Wow. Those words just came out of my mouth. But no, like right here, right now, there is no there. Stop waiting till you're there. He has called you to come to him and to serve him as you are where you are. He wants you to be faithful where you are with what you have. She talked about this story from 1 Kings chapter 17, um, verses 18 through 16, about the widow that meets Elijah. And Elijah says, make me bread. You know, God said, there's a woman that I've, you know, commanded to make you bread and whatever else. And, and Elijah goes there and she's like, well, I only have a jar of oil and like a little bit of flour. Like, I don't have bread for you. And... Elijah's like, just go in, you know, use what you got, make the bread. And it was very cool to see this story unfold, but, but with the idea that like, we can bring what we have, give him what we have, and he will do the rest. That we have to stop doubting in what we do have and just give it to him. We have ingredients, but we can so often get caught up in the idea that we don't have all the resources or all the knowledge or all the ingredients or whatever else. But here's the thing. If we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need God. We have to remember to make God bigger than what we do not know about the future or about what's next. We have to stop thinking, what if and focusing on what we don't have. And instead, focus on him, focus on his power, focus on his kingdom, and give him, come to him, give him what we have. Because everything we have is from him anyways. Like he's not going to take that and multiply that and use that. Next speaker that we listened to was Francis Chan. And oh my goodness, like his message just resonated with me so deeply. And um he had first talked about obedience and surrender. And you know, those are huge things for me. You know, um, that I've, I've spoken about this multiple times that like, I am here where I am at in my life currently in the season I'm in currently through obedience and surrender. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I think he's been showing me recently that there are still, especially at this if conference, um, that there are still things that I need to lay down and surrender and be obedient to him in instead of maybe 
placing them before him. Like I was convicted about having some idols of my own at this conference. And so, um, I'm not perfect by any means. So hear me there. But what I will say is that obedience and surrender is like, when we can come to that place in humility and knowing that like he, his ways and his thoughts are far above ours and that he loves us, like all of this, like he wants us. That's what he wants. He wants us and he wants relationship with us and he wants us to know and surrender to his will and be obedient to him because he truly has what's best for us. I mean, I just think about my son, you know, he is like stubborn and I'm like, Hey, let's not do that. Let's do this. And he will throw a fit. And I'm like, kid, I am literally trying to save your life right now. And you are like hell bent on going straight towards harm's way. We're the same way you guys, I can do the very same thing more often than I probably even recognize because I'm human and I'm sinful. Right. But that is what like, I just think about that in context with my kid and God wants us that for us even more so than we want it for our kids. He wants goodness for us more than we often even want it for ourselves. So obedience and surrender is like where it is at. He had mentioned Francis Chan that the world is changing and it's time to give it all. And one of the other speakers talked about giving it all. And I'm going to bring that up later when I talk about that one. But what does it look like to you? What is he calling you to do. And this can be different for everyone. And, and so I had kind of like written out this list of like, Francis had mentioned like for him right now, like God is calling him to solitude and prayer and to just going deep in his word and sitting on his word for hours a day. But maybe some of you, maybe he's calling you to, to serve your kids in your home right now. Maybe he's calling you to serve children on a greater capacity. Maybe it's children's ministry in the church. Maybe it's serving in the nursery. Maybe you've got a daycare in your home and and he's calling you to minister to these children just through example and by love. Maybe he's calling you to the battlefield. Maybe you're showing up in Ukraine. Maybe he's calling you to give financially or material things to people in Ukraine, to people still struggling with this pandemic that we're going through. Maybe it's to give financially to somebody going through an adoption journey. That's a huge thing on my heart. Like I want to become financially stable and be a good steward of my resources so I can just show up and like fully fund somebody's adoption one day. Maybe he's calling you to speaking and sharing your testimony and sharing God's truth and God's goodness, like all of the speakers at the If Gathering. Maybe he's calling you to write. Maybe he's calling you to mentor teens. Maybe he's telling you to come alongside married couples that are struggling. Maybe he's calling you into this like health and wellness or or medical industry in a way that brings him into it. Maybe he's calling you to bring more truth that he's given you to, to help release some people from some stuff they've been really stuck in for a while, not even realizing it. What is he calling you to do? And he had said, don't underestimate what God wants to do through you. I often think about this with Esther, where Mordecai had said, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. 
but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I just think about that. And I think a lot of people talk about like for such a time as this, like this is why you are right here where you're at. And I, I fully uh, in it, I am fully in agreement with that. But I also love to point out the fact that it's like, okay, well, God doesn't need you to fulfill his plan. He's inviting you to. He wants you to. He's he's encouraging and, and bringing the path for you. But his plan will prosper either way. But he wants to do work through you. He wants to use you as his hands and feet to show up in the lives of others. And one of the things that he talked about also, Francis Chan had talked about, was 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9 where it says the ministry of the spirit will have even more glory. The ministry of righteousness must far exceed the glory of the ministry of condemnation. And in here, the ministry of condemnation it's talking about, it it was even referenced, Paul references as the ministry of death. And that is the law. Paul says, now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses's face because of its glory, which is being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? But for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. And I was just like, wow, it talks about the permanent glory that comes through the ministry of the spirit. And I have read through scripture front to back multiple times, and I swore I had never read that (laughs) passage before, but I was just like, wow, for one, I couldn't, I couldn't really believe that Paul was referencing the law in those ways in such a negative context. But I know that we have been set free, that Christ's blood has come and atoned for us that he is our savior. And when he left, he had granted us the Holy Spirit. But wow, I was just blown away when, when Francis had pointed that out and and opened the word myself and just read it. And I was just, wow. Yep. mm -hmm, It's right there. So I'm probably going to be sitting on that and meditating on that even more. And then the last thing that Francis had talked about was from Ephesians three. And that is Ephesians three, um, I actually really appreciated from um, verse 14 all the way through verse 21. And I'm going to go ahead and read that because it's it's just a prayer for spiritual strength. And I'm going to leave you guys with this today. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, 
to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I think I will be praying this prayer for spiritual strength for many days to come because it is just so, so powerful and such a fabulous reminder of God's goodness and the abundance that he truly has for us. So this is wrapping up day one, part one of the If Gathering takeaways from Sasha Star Robertson. (laughs) And um, I invite you to come back tomorrow to listen to the next episode that will be part two of my If Gathering takeaways because y'all, there is just so much goodness and I want you to know about it. God bless.